Welcome to the conversation. Welcome to a special edition, a special episode of the Conversation Podcast. It's me, John Rogers, uh, with Vice Principal of Mounts Bay Academy, Simeon Royal. Simeon, hello, John. Hello, hello John. Um, and we are going to have a conversation this morning about um, ideas around social inequality, and I think you're going to talk a little bit about social mobility, because the, the issue that we're working on right now for the Conversation, a magazine, um, has a question. As you know, each, each issue has a question that people respond to, and the question this time is how can schools combat social injustice? Uh, and I believe you have some experience working in some very different contexts to us here in, in Cornwall, in England. Um, so why don't you start? Yeah, I'll, I'll stop talking and see where it goes. Yeah. We all know the facts, don't we? So each year that a child does these for each year that a child spends in education, the gap between rich and poor grows wider. Now we know that's the case. It's very sad, but it's very true. A survey was on that BBC was saying the survey in over 60 countries the difference between the richest and the poorest is equivalent to three years of schooling by the age of 15. Mm. Lots of ifs and buts with that because we don't know the countries, etc. Yeah. etc. Et Only one in ten from poor backgrounds will achieve the same results as those from wealthy backgrounds. We watch our TV each night and our election of new leaders and all the rest of it. I think the figure is 7% of young people in this country attend private schools. Mm. We look at the people standing for top positions. We're looking at about 50% of having, having gone to fee-paying schools. There's some sort of correlation there, isn't there? Mm. So I suppose you can ask me why, aren't you? You ought to answer. <laughs> That's what I'm guessing. I wonder if, before we start looking at progress and learning and teaching and all the rest of it, getting students into school. So thinking about attendance at school and so on. Yeah. Why do kids not attend school? We know that students from uh, poorer social backgrounds do not have as good attendance figures as those from the more middle-class families and so on. Why is that? I suppose my approach looking at attendance over the years has always been, what are the barriers to the kids coming to school? We want to make a school a place where people actually want to come, they want to learn, they want to spend the time here because they feel it's good for them, yeah. they enjoy it, they're fun, the parents think they're safe, you know, all those, all those reasons that we do that. And really, the reason I'm kind of interested in talking to you is that during my time working in Uganda and looking at schools in Uganda, where I've, you know, I've visited five or six times there, and I've quite a good relationship with schools there. The bottom line is that kids from rural Uganda are desperate to go to school mm -hmm. and will make many, 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 many sacrifices in order to... Those kids will make many, many sacrifices in order to actually get, get themselves to school each day. And you wonder, many of our students here, even though we call them from poorer social backgrounds, etc., I assure you that poverty is nothing compared to the poverty that you've yeah. seen out there. They don't actually, see, the parents don't push them in the same way as those African kids do. Mm. I mean, one question that strikes me immediately it, when you talk about making schools, at least in this country and in our context, places where students want to come, I mean, we're assuming that, you know, people have that, um, put place that value on education. And it seems to me from what you then said about yep. schools in Uganda, that, that clearly it, it, students have to have some value system about the education they're getting in order to have a motivation to get to school. And it seems well, to me desperation. like desperation, <laughs> thank you. But absolutely, do you think then 
that students that you've met in, in Uganda ha- place a greater value on education John, than we do here. Undoubtedly. Oh, okay. Until you said the last sentence, I was well, going to say undoubtedly. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Students in Uganda will walk for many miles and miles away. Yeah. They will, In order to pay their school fees, which are nothing to us, of course, but significant to them, yeah. they will stay in on the holidays and they'll do cleaning at the school. Mm. They will offer to clean out the chickens. Yeah. They will do all the jobs that we would turn our noses up actually doing in order to pay their school fees, sometimes because they live so far away from the school, it's not worth their while walking back. It's yeah. just that whole... That whole value thing, and we've had students. You know, I've had students in this office this morning saying, "Oh, I don't like school. I hate school. It's useless. This is yeah. this annoys me. This and these things are no. Where where are all those barriers to learning coming from? That actually we don't see in Africa, where the students have nothing apart from this desire to improve themselves. Mm. So I suppose that am I going as far as saying the students from poorer, huge generalizations, of course, are the students from poorer social backgrounds? Do they not have that aspiration that the kids from Poverty-stricken rural Ugandan families have. Yes. Well, I mean, that's interesting and worrying. It would definitely, and it would seem from the evidence, even that you just said there, that 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 students in this country don't place as great a value on it, and so then one wonders why that is, Um, and you start to think about, and perhaps you wonder this could be a good lead into your next thing, but you know, maybe that is the cultural expectation of social mobility and the. The kind of the, where education can take them, whether they realise what a good thing it is or whether in this country they can sort of know that they can get away with perhaps not getting the education they life. should have and actually life can still be okay to some extent. They see the route out in Uganda. You see these kids, I, I don't want to be like my family. I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm going to make something myself. I'm going to get to Kampala. Yeah. I'm going to have a big job. I'm going to run yeah. this country. And that sort of, we don't, see that massive aspiration so so stated we don't see that massive aspiration stated so explicitly mm. do we amongst our no. our learners you sometimes have the, the student as in in Penzance when the kids who have a day off to got runny nose then it becomes two days yeah the parents justify it the parents yeah. say yeah oh you know he's a bit under the weather today he'll be in tomorrow and all the rest of it well that's not we know no. that's not acceptable at school we want them here we want them learning dig deep I think resilience and so on there's a lot of stuff we are able to take for granted though aren't we in this yeah. country you know if it if we miss a couple of days, it's not going to impact our education that much. That, that's what they would say. They take that sort of thing for granted. I, you know, if I, we I don't get... challenge a parent who said that every day. Like, of, absolutely, got, of course. And, you know, there's dates about that. You've got 200 of them a year. You miss one. Just but also, you know, the consequences of things in this country are not quite as severe as perhaps in other places like Uganda. I, I suppose it's a lot... Oh, God, that's a good question. Is it a lot more black? When... The principal of the college we work with in Uganda comes over here. He cannot believe the tolerance we show to young people. Yeah. You could call it tolerance of their, the way in which we accept their, their kind of sometimes attitudes, which aren't great or anything. Mm. And he just says, well, his first question is, why don't you beat them? We say, well, <laughs> no, we don't do that. That's yeah. not good. That's not proven to change behaviours in any way, shape or form. It just makes you, you feel awful, the child feel awful. What's the point in doing it? And he's kind of yeah. buying into that attitude, yeah. but it's very much more black and white. And I'm saying, if, you're, you know, if students are underachieving at your school, what do you do? He said, well, I, I kicked them out because I've got five other people queuing for that place. Yeah. You know, his school's absolutely at even capacity. He's got people dry, traveling from so much, this huge area of southwestern Uganda just to get to his school. So he's almost competitive in terms oh, of the, the motivation hugely, that the student shares. Yeah, it, it's chalk and talk. I mean, you probably know about the system itself. It's 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 um, it's stage, not age. Yeah. And so you can see a class with 12-year-olds sat next to 20-year-olds yeah. and they need to work and they need to work and work and work if only to maintain their place in that class. Yeah. I mean, quite interesting when you're doing a learning walk out there, you go and talk to these guys and you say, oh, this is amazing stuff you're doing. What, what is this? 
Oh, I don't know, sir. I just copied it off the board. <laughs> it's beautiful calligraphy, the best yeah. English, the better English than you or I could probably write. Don't really clue what it means. Yeah. So there's a whole wider discussion there about what education is and so on mm. there. But definitely, the, the what we're talking about, the value of education put on, put on the, the attendance at school in some ways is given a far, far, far higher priority in some of those poor yeah. Ugandan rural families than it is from families in Penzance. So this is a difficult question, but why do you think then the, the sort of lower socioeconomic backgrounds and cultures here um, don't place as high value on education as the, oh, let's say, the middle classes that's the cultural, in this country? That's the, that's the, is it? Is that a cultural construct, you think? Is it because it, the parents had a poor experience at school? Sometimes, every parent, even we always have one or two, oh, I came here, it was rubbish, I came yeah. here. Why do you remember this? And they always tell stories which are often negative. Mm. So if that experience at school is negative, they're not going to willingly send them here each day. Maybe, I mean, again, generalising largely, but yeah. sometimes it's, it's in order to get students to value school, it's the parental, it's the parents we need to educate, isn't it? As well yeah. As uh, it's uh, great for the young people to be here, but the parents have to see the value of their child attending school regularly and making progress and them supporting that progress at home. And we know that happens more in middle-class families, don't we? Than yeah. Families uh, and what about, you know, students buying into education in order to build lives that are different to their parents? Well, that, that's in, in terms of Yeah, see, Oxford social... and Cambridge both, both run these visits, don't they? I've taken kids to it. We run these, these PP trips yeah. in Cambridge and so on, and we, where you just take to go and look at them. And I remember going to, to do Oxford, which I probably shouldn't name... <laughs> I remember going to Oxford and saying, um, "Oh, we have, yeah, we've, we're really welcoming for people from the working class. There's no problem. It's, yeah. it's, it's lovely, and we, we're fully acceptance with people from all sorts. Social mobility is really important to us." And behind us, while this conversation is going on, there was a, a first-year undergraduate who just finished his exams. So, what on earth did he do? I said, just distracted by the conversation. Excuse me, what's that lad doing? He's, he was lying on the grass immaculately coiffured lawn with yeah. perfect stripes and all the rest of it, lying on his back while the others doused him with Bollinger. <laughs> that's a small tradition what you yeah. do when you finish your exams at the end of the first year. You, I don't, said, well, you don't often see that down Penley Park, do you? No, that's, no, no my, my PP kids here go to Little once a week. The stocks no. of Bollinger are a little thin at Little. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true. I've been thinking a little bit about how much sort of capital we place on on that level of education clearly as a society we do like you say that the two front runners now and we're talking just after the conservative um tory leadership yep. election has just selected the final two candidates boris johnson and uh jeremy hunt and both of those are boris private Eaton, educated Eaton, and uh, i heard it yesterday in the news but a private college top, was head boy you know both went to oxford i believe so where's your role model for your student who lives on the council estate in Penzance? It's not it's not those two people on the television, is it? Yeah, but it's, but my point is, we as a society, we clearly still buy into the fact that that is the aspiration that kids of of any class should have, of any background should have. Uh, is that right? I'm you know I'm beginning to question whether that's you know. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about social mobility then. I mean, because you, you remarked to me the other day when we were talking about this conversation that you see better social mobility in Uganda than in some places, in some contexts here. Maybe I'm focusing on the success stories. I don't, it is, yeah. Again, a lot of this conversation is me, my general ideas, and I yeah. don't, I'm not sure they're scientific and they could be could be proven empirically, yeah. you know, but you, you see examples of students from the poorest, poorest, poorest families having that strive, having that drive to get to school each day, doing their absolute best in order to kind of use their education as their ticket to buy themselves out of that lifestyle to yeah. change their kind of social 
class, if you mm. want to call it that. To move in, in Uganda, of course, physically moving is very difficult. It's a big country. Yeah. The roads aren't great. There's some sort of public transport system, which is improving but all the time, you know. But it's it's high life. If you're from southwest rural Uganda, the capital is probably a day's driving away. You only don't right. drive during the daytime. There's some coaches that go there, but you could probably never afford the coach fare anyway. So actually, your education is your ticket to the big city, to yeah. the bright lights, to the actual... That, that's yeah. the kind of... That's the goal that many, many people are aiming for. And I wonder if, let's bring it back to Penzance, what is that goal for those people? What does that goal yeah. look like? It doesn't look like leaders. It doesn't look like Prime Minister, does it? We know it doesn't. It, it, <laughs> does, it, is there, it doesn't look like Oxford. It doesn't look like Cambridge. What does that goal look like? And yeah. does it look like being as my parents are, which is maybe having a few benefits, perhaps lifestyle quite comfortable down here? Mm. Don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure you have. We both talked down here for, for a while. Met many students who haven't even been out of Cornwall. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Like Paul, you know, Plymouth, Paul John, that's the first thing. <laughs> haven't been on the sea, haven't yeah. walked the coast, Pat, haven't been to St Michael's Mount. And that, so why is that then? Why, why is the aspiration when St Michael's Mount is beautiful and is, it's free, it's a walk and it's two minutes yeah. from here, it's just not there, is it? Gone to play on the beach. Mm. What a healthy, lovely, beautiful upbringing yeah. of young people. And what, the, in my opinion, one of the best family days out ever. Mm. Don't yeah. do it. Don't do it. That's I don't know why that's that that's the kind of aspiration that we need to sow into. But our job is are we doing that as a school? Look all right, look at yeah, uh, well, work, I would, look at <laughs> year seven camp, am I jumping the gun at it? But, no, I was yeah. literally just about to move on to what can schools do. Well, that's what we're doing. So, we are introducing to this fantastic yeah. world. Don't we run trips to Tremo campus so we can tell people yeah. what a day university is like? Uh, well, I mean we, we take yeah, all of they, them, they, we take to college, we aspire them to go into further education, don't we? Yeah, even even as we speak today, some year eight girls have gone to to have um, a, a, a women in engineering day, yeah, I think, a STEM, a STEM day. day yeah, yeah. So, awesome. yeah, there's all sorts of stuff happening. I but mean, that's, and it's our job to track that that impacts upon every student who we think yeah. is relevant. I was talking to one of my colleagues this morning about our PP strategy and just making sure, and it's great, these opportunities are there. But we know these opportunities have probably been there in many schools for lots and lots of yeah. time. Yes, of course, we're proud of what we do, and I think we have an amazing offer here. But actually, isn't it our job to, if it takes handholding, that's what it takes, that specific student needs to be on that visit. And even there's a bit of resistance from home, well, I've never done that before. Yeah. University, I well, I don't know university. That's not relevant for my family. You know, yeah. Perhaps we got to be a bit more vigorous maybe in that respect. Yes, it is. Come and give it a go. Why don't we take the parents with us? Why don't we do parent trips to university? Yeah. This is what Everything. your son or daughter could be doing. Yeah. They've got all this free though. Think of that academic freedom they've got to actually, you know, really, really get their teeth in yeah. to use that grey matter. You know, this could be you. This can happen to you. It's perfectly possible. Yeah, I, I think that what we do here is is extensive. Yeah. Um, but like you say, probably the tracking of that is very important. I've been reading um, uh, some work by a French philosopher called Bourdieu um, here, and I'm just going to spring this on you, but he talks about, um, you know, different, uh, capital, the educational capital, cultural capital, um, and you know and the movement between you know, social mobility, all that sort of stuff. But one of the questions that that sort of came up for me is that I think the education in this country is clearly set up, institutionalised to be a massive advantage for middle and upper class students. Okay, that's an interesting. I look up this morning, Singapore, Finland, Japan, the gaps aren't yeah. too great. UK, in terms of national scores, is not doing too bad. And they reckon the reason for the, the, the again, it's one article, but the, the reason yeah. for success in those areas is that you're, you don't put all your kind of uh, your middle class kids in one school, your other kids in yeah. the old kind of grammar school and secondary modern type, type, type picture. You look for a truly comprehensive picture. And I think we've got that in Penzance. And so, it, it, definitely in some areas. I don't think we could say that nationally, though, could we? 
No, possibly not. Actually, <laughs> it's actually probably quite yeah. a lot. It's quite a nice, nice place to be, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. But I was—I um, haven't read this book yet. But I was reading about a book by Graham Nuttall, who talks about. Um, it's called. Oh, what was it called now? Um, the Hidden Lives of Learners. I don't know if you have read okay. it. I haven't read it, but I was oh, reading about it. Um, and and apparently in it, I was. I, he was mentioned in an article that I was reading. But in the article referring to his book, they were talking about actually that the sort of biggest range of of sort of social inequalities is actually in one class. Okay. Particularly okay. in comprehensive schools, you're going to have huge range of social inequality. Yeah. Uh, not only for you know, not only social socioeconomic inequality, but also cognitive inequality. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, okay. that's true. I, I can't argue any of that. I just go be anecdotal. Go yeah. back to a student I spoke to this morning. Well, obviously, we'll not show the name. Um, she feels she's had a fallout with her friends. Yeah. She feels all her friends are posh than her because they've got iPhone X's and yeah. she's on benefits, etc. Oh, and she lives on a certain estate yeah. in Penzance, etc., etc. And therefore, she can't be mates with them. And yeah. I'm just trying to unpick all that. So it's actually, when I fall out with your friends, you're then assigning all these different tags to it and you try mm. and justify it. Yeah, you've just had a fallout with But that is, all. surely, that is, that's what happens it, you, within you, that teenage... Okay, yeah, I know, I know. But you know bits, that, that's but the why, life of a teenager. Sure. Our, our question is, why is she assigning this kind of social class type thing yeah. to, that, to that argument? Yeah. They're good mates to each other. I would argue. Like iPhone X's and she was still on benefits. Yeah, <laughs> I would argue that, that it's not necessarily her that's doing that. I think the, the culture itself in which she is a part yep. actually does that. Yeah, okay. And I think that is, you know, again, coming back to this uh, nuttle book about the hidden lives of, of teenagers, he talks very much that, again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing from an article which was about the book, um, was talking about the fact that, you know, they're, that teenagers have their own teenage existence within a class, passing yeah. notes, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. texting each other on the phones. You know, we, we see it in school kids that have phones. We did the same last summer. And, it, you know, that's the cause that rears in the old arguments about why British schools have uniforms, you know, to kind of hide some of the yeah. social inequality that might exist. But, of course, you know, with, with phones, phones is a classic example. Unless you've got a new iPhone or, or the new Samsung Galaxy Note 10 or whatever it is, you are going to stand out. And, and students are quite cruel. You saw about the absolutely. Yeah. They pick on the yeah. Uh, that's just part of growing up, isn't it? I know we we, I yeah. know we shouldn't justify it and just say it's, dismiss it like it's just part of growing up. But they do pick on the slightest thing and they blow it and, and they can pick. Yeah, I'm afraid they, they do. Pick. And I think they can make life really unpleasant by the the constant repetition of a comment about a, a physical attribute, a social attribute. If yeah. You know. So maybe, see, I mean, I'm sort of trying to drive towards some sort of not conclusion of the conversation, <laughs> but conclusion of this part, but. You know, if if we see large social inequalities um, within a classroom, what can schools do to combat the injustice within a classroom? What can we do? We have that you persistent know. conversation. We persistently push forward our values, don't we? Our six E's and, and, yeah. and so on. And we and we keep going on going on at that. Do the children buy into it? I'd like to think many, many do. But of course, the ones that don't, the only ones that need it most, aren't they? Yeah. Because I don't think they get that support from home. So yet again, I say. Have the have the parents have these families bought yeah. into the whole six E's thing, and to get them to do that, do yeah. we need to go to them? Do they need to come into school? Do we need to talk? I mean, we have so many community events, yeah. and you see the same families coming time after time, and they're gorgeous families, and they're really supportive, yeah. and so on. But actually, it's the hard to reach us, the ones that we could perhaps contact more. Maybe yeah, more I, I still get the them. nagging feeling though that the the six E's, and I'm not, I'm not saying I disagree with them at all. Um, and, and we've had obviously an interview with Sarah Davy who oh, went, she went, went through, through six E's. So I'm yeah, not saying I disagree with that at all, but this is sort of playing devil's advocate a little bit. Surely even what we do here is construct a curriculum and an ethos and a vision that at its heart essentially is, is middle class. 
And we're asking people from different classes to buy into that because we're saying, you know, our curriculum, we've got to have Shakespeare on there because we've decided that Shakespeare is brilliant. But, you know, why don't we have oh, – I'm going to show my, my, my class out. Why don't we have some grime rapper or – well, Stormzy, I don't know. Yeah, why is... I, mean, I, teach, I, I, I use Eminem in my lessons. I Do you? Eminem's right. the finest, finest... Well, he's not the curriculum, though, is he? Eminem? Um, what's the curriculum? Well, all right, but it's the curriculum that we buy into for English uh, yeah, yeah, okay. is not in the poetry anthology. That's not controlled, right? So that's controlled by the exam boards. And your, your argument, I guess, but is we, that the exam boards are tailing towards the middle classes and so on. Yeah, well, but so we Spiel also buy into them. Spiel was talking on the NGA article, wasn't yeah. it, recently, about saying how we, should, we shouldn't shy away from the more difficult texts. Yeah. By inference, are you saying that Shakespeare is perhaps a slightly more difficult text to access? I'm saying that... certain level to get to it, and uh, middle-class kids have got that level, whereas others... No, no, I'm saying that... that when we set up any curriculum, we are deciding essentially what we want our kids to be like in the, for the future. Yeah. For me, curriculum is all about um, designing something that will pass on knowledge that we feel is valuable, that yeah. will prepare kids in the way we would like them to be prepared to be citizens of the future, that will give them skills for, yeah. for jobs perhaps unyet invented, you know, all of those things. But we're making decisions now based on all of that. And I would say that the things that we put value on as a school are because mostly teachers and, and school leaders are middle-class people. And therefore, for example, I think it's really important that people do learn about Shakespeare. But why do I think that? It's because you know, I was brought up by two teachers, middle-class family, yeah, went to school. And, it, and so I place, what I'm trying to say is, I place large cultural capital on knowing Shakespeare and having read you know, yeah, it's, the, it's the canon of, of English literature. There's a huge body of knowledge that suggests it's actually quite important, is it, in terms of moving our brains or in developing our literacy, developing our comprehension, et cetera, et cetera. It, actually, that's a fairly good work to But do you have to use Shakespeare stuff. to do that? But that's my point. I'm, I'm unaware of that. I'm sort of deflecting the question because I don't yeah, know about that research. No, I, I don't know. I think you, I don't know. I would, uh, well, again, I haven't read that paper, so, but I would doubt that you do. Yeah, as in, you know, you could do it. All right, I'll give you another example, again, sort of from English literature. You know, we have this sort of the canon of, of great English literature books that we should read, and some of them appear on, on the English curriculum here. Um, and, and you and I might have a, an idea of what, what those books should be. Yeah. But again, you know, most of the time we're talking about books that, and we place value on those books, that's the point. Those books are going to be on the shelves of our homes. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, what, I'm getting slightly off the point now, but my, I guess my point was that I think the way schools institutionally are set up is an advantage to, or is a disadvantage to, to, to lower socioeconomic background, to working class kids, kids from poorer backgrounds. So, yeah, and I saw you know, and that do lower do a working class kid, do you want to be a middle class kid? And if you don't, exactly. you're quite happy. But, and who's to say, you know, why is working class not as good as the middle class? In terms of the values. It is, in, but in terms you know, of the education. In terms of the cultural of capital. Because they have cultural capital. This is what this is what I've been reading about. Bourdieu would say, you know, they have their own, he called it habitus. They have their own, um, you know, habits, tropes, ideas, language. You know, who's to say that, for example, the Cornish, yeah, we do because, well, I, I mean, I'm in the class. But do we not include those in our curriculum a little bit anyway? But do you not think that's slightly patronising when we do it? No, because I ask kids to write music in my lessons and the ideas yeah. they bring to the table in terms of their books and their composition are from them. They're often shows. Yeah. Uh, from and, and we no. can then line it up. You know, I would like I 
I'm an opera fan. I love yeah. singing opera tour night, actually. Super. Plug, plug, plug. Helston yeah. tour night. But actually, you're asking... <laughs> I'm going to go out for that, but... You'll have missed it. It was yeah. brilliant. It was, yeah, it was really good. It really should have been If you listen to another repeat, it was brilliant. <laughs> um, but, but sometimes you, you get the students to write that. That's their starting yeah. point. That's where they're coming from. That's their raw material. Fantastic. Yeah. Have you actually heard this? This was written by Beethoven about 300 years ago. Yeah. Actually, it's just the same, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? You you come up with a piece. This Pope Beethoven is very yeah. very accepted, and though he was deaf, he's a very very fine composer. Yeah. But some of the finest tunes ever. A brilliant craftsman in his orchestra. You're doing something similar. So that's our job to kind of take their ideas, if you like, and assimilate them into something else. Yeah, but the thing you're assimilating in, into is Beethoven, not you know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm buying into Beethoven's middle class. I don't know. I think Beethoven's at all. No, but right, we, I would say the middle work. class place is the higher cultural capital. On Beethoven than the, than, but than that's the because they're not familiar with it. That's they're not familiar with it. Having taken groups from estates in Penzance all the yeah. way to London to watch Carmen, yeah, flipping next Why are we going all this way to watch an opera? Not keen at all. Just coming out raving yeah. about it. And the, the opera's not. It's not on their playlist. No, all right, but we wouldn't take a school trip to go to a an East End London pub and hear, you know, the East End folk songs. That, do you know what I mean? Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? Well, have you ever done that? I've never heard of a trip like that. No, well, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, a, a sort of working class East send, End London singing song. Have we not sent people out to get Vox Pops? Have we not sent people out to record the Fishermen of Newlyn and their, their stories and their ideas and so on? Yeah, I mean, that was another example uh, that I was thinking about, you know, the old Cornish folk songs and stuff. Um, I just went to the Shanty Festival this weekend in Falmouth. And, you know, here, like, obviously hundreds of different groups singing all these wonderful old folk songs. So clearly... The, the people of Cornwall place a very high cultural value on on that sort of I think music. Well, music curriculum, you would expect a music curriculum. We should say, by the way, for those people that don't know, that you uh, were, right. are, a, a music teacher. Hopefully are, but maybe yeah. <laughs> it feels well, like we're less and less nowadays. <laughs> I, I, you would hope, as you go around looking at music curriculum up and down the country, that they have yeah. something reflecting as a school, as a, you know, as a, as a Lancastrian. Yeah. I, know some, I know some Lancashire Milltown songs, and that's yeah. an important part of my learning at school. I didn't know those. My dad was yeah. a teacher, I'm as middle class as they come. You know, I didn't know anything about mill workers' yeah. songs, but actually... I feel it's part of my cult, it's part of me. It's part so of they, they were incorporated into the curriculum. The yeah, curriculum I'd like to see here, I want to see some folk song. Let's get those mountain yeah, songs definitely. actually written. No, definitely. Let's sing Campbell Hill. Do you not go and watch the rugby? What happens after the rugby? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Beto, my favourite bit of... We break uh, into yeah. Campbell Hill, we break into Trelawney, don't yeah. we? All those things there. That, and, so, so, yeah, so whether that's... So go back to your question. Is we don't, we don't do that at school, do we? Like break into song. We like the school song. We should do that. I love it. Just point out it's going to be a five weeks. But oh, right, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Give me five months and you will be singing. I'm no, I, I think it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we've, we've digressed again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's get some sort of conclusion because <laughs> I need to go on duty as well. <laughs> but sure. um, I'm not sure there is a conclusion, John. Is there? It's all right. Well, a final answer there. A brief summary. What else can we do? to combat social injustice. I think schools. we need to involve the families to get buy-in from those families to accept that an education is a good thing, it's a passport to a better life. And I don't think those families will necessarily have had that experience themselves. Mm. We need to convince them, you need this education, you need the exams, experiences, curriculum. That time in a school, in an exciting school such as this, it will make your life better. I think our families who don't attend regularly don't have that belief and that's why they don't attend. I think that's a brilliant place to start. Mr. Royal, thank you very much. Thank you, John. Thank you very much indeed. Hope that's useful. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Enjoy the conversation. 